Have you nailed the story you need to go to market? Today's guest can help. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Bruce Shear is the CEO of InspireYourBuyers.com and president of the National Speakers Association Northwest. He has applied and honed his go-to-market narrative development model with industry giants such as IBM, SAP, Microsoft, Google, and many more. Bruce is a featured keynote speaker for industry and client events and has recently published a book titled Inspire Your Buyers, Go to Market with a Story That Sizzles. We are going to talk more about that today. Bruce, welcome to Unbound. Thanks a lot, Chris. I'm excited to be on the Unbound podcast with you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. this one is going to be a lot of fun because we are going to get very much into go-to-market narratives. Uh, but to open up, I would just love to hear your backstory. My backstory. Well, Chris, I think uh, we laughed about that a while back. I, I started as a young young child uh, and then I grew <laughs> up. But uh, effectively, Chris, for the last 25 years, I've really been focused on helping revenue leaders, revenue teams go to market, go to market with a, a, a narrative. And w- I know we'll be talking about that quite a bit. And other aspects of sales enablement. What's the key play? What target mm-hmm. audience? Who are we going after? Who's our target buyers? And, and how do we approach them? So a lot of that go-to-market strategy. And uh, Chris, narrative is kind of the cherry on the top for me. And I, I also think it's probably the sharpest edge of the spear. You really got to get your story straight to be effective. And, and that's why I've just, I love it. I've kind of camped here. And, and uh, as you highlighted, as you talked about my bio a little bit, uh, recently I have a best-selling book on Amazon, Chris. I don't mm-hmm. know if I mentioned that to you, but last week was a big week. I'm still pinching myself. You'll probably see some red marks, yeah. but uh, <laughs> best-selling book across five different categories, including yeah, business and investing, the, the granddaddy category of all uh, nonfiction business books. So yeah, mm-hmm. just lovely, lovely response so far. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, and this is your first book, correct? Yeah, yeah, first, and and yeah, Man. this one's gone so well that now I'm planning on a second one, and and yeah. perhaps a third. It's, yeah, you, you got to keep it right. rolling. Yeah, it's like where do you go from here when you're already at the top? <laughs> <laughs> now um, got to be a two times bestseller, and then a three times right. bestseller, and then yeah, That's, and again, next and again. thing you know, you're Seth Godin, <laughs> get twenty plus. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, uh, I think probably a good place to start would just be how you define a go-to-market like story that sizzles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, sizzles. Boy, oh boy. I had a lot of fun uh, thinking about that and, and coming mm-hmm. up, you know, I, I had talked to another friend of mine, former client, and we'd never seen a good assessment for a story, a company story or a go-to-market story, a go-to-market narrative. So I wanted to build an assessment. And then I, uh, funny, I was working on my book title. And uh, Chris, when you write your book, have you written many books, Chris, or there's many to come? Okay, I got it. I got it. It, It's coming. So um, what happens when you write a book and and a few different coaches told me this, that uh, you'll write your whole book and then you'll kind of scratch your head and might fumble around and, and you need to come up with a title for the book. So my initial title was called Big Bet Narrative. And I was in love with that title because, you know, I've worked with revenue teams, revenue leaders and investors put together what I was calling a big bet story. 
And, uh, you know, that, that was going to, you know, either keep that ship afloat and moving forward or, or maybe, you know, sink. But it w- there was a big bet being placed on, on go-to-market success. Right. So I framed it around that. But, man, I just got so much feedback. I really believe in testing your narrative, testing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I applied that same principle to testing the title of my book. And people are misconstruing it and going, you know, I don't understand gambling. You know, that's not cool. And, um so we reframe the whole thing around, you know, inspire your buyers, go to market with a story that sizzles. And then uh, funny enough, after we framed sizzles, I started thinking about it. Could sizzles be uh, an acronym for a framework for a narrative assessment? And then I started playing with that. And, and lo and behold, it, it did for me. And then I've tested it a ton and it's really played out quite well. But the S stands for structure. What's the structure of the story you're telling? And a lot of people, as they go to market, structures, all, you know, there, there is no structure that kind of, you know, goes all over right. the place, lots of inconsistency, et cetera. So you got to get your structure right. Then after that, you need to, the I stands for insights. Are you being insightful as you go to your target company and target buyer and and start a dialogue with them? Is there insight in that conversation? Would that customer see that conversation so great, that narrative so great that they would have been willing to pay you for for that for that conversation around that narrative Mm. structure? So that's insightful. Is a narrative insightful? And then two Z's in there for sizzles. The first Z stands for zippy is the narrative zippy. And uh, Chris, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but one of my best friends, we've been friends for over 30 years out in uh, Asia. He's a senior consultant and he constantly does this with me. Meaning, uh, and and for the listening audience, Chris, uh, you know, he's kind of uh, waving his finger around his ear, like going, hey, hurry up, tur- hurry up. I get it. I get it. And, and next chapter, next chapter. And uh, he's somebody that has cl- uh, high clock speed. And many of the buyers that we're trying to get their attention and, and enter into dialogue with, they have cl- high clock speed too. Are you being zippy? Are mm-hmm. you moving forward in that narrative in a way that's, that's pleasing? So that's zippy. Zappy is the second Z. And uh, are, are you zapping that prospect with energy? Are they excited about the problem you're portraying? Are they, are they excited about the potential outcome that you might be promising them and and uh, are you is your narrative bringing that enthusiasm into them or is it zapping them with energy uh so that's the second z l is for leading does a narrative lead that buyer uh in the right direction to make the right mm-hmm. choice with you and then is it uh engaging that narrative is there is there a nice pacing between the buyer and and uh and and the storyline yeah. and then finally the final s is um is there a little bit of sass and not too much sass we don't want to be disrespectful but is there some spiciness to this narrative you know some great stats did you know right. uh or or some epiphany that you can bring them through to where there's a little bit of sass in that story so anyways that's the right. framework that that i use to assess yeah. hey am i listening to a good uh narrative and am i having a great selling conversation is there does it sizzle is there sizzle uh in that especially with that last S, the SAS. So Chris, that's the structure. That, that's what sizzles means. Okay, so I love these core elements, uh, <laughs> especially because I, before picking up a copy of your book, I was like, how is he going to make these, use these two Zs? Uh, <laughs> but the, I'd love to dive into to some of these. Uh, 
specifically structure and insights. Oh, okay. And so how do you approach the proper structure for, for crafting this narrative? Because I'm sure you've seen there's so many different ways you could go about this. How do you know which one's going to the best fit for your company, your go-to-market plan? Yeah, Chris, what, um, you know, uh, many folks have talked about this, you know, who's the pr- hero in the story? You know, kind of everything mm-hmm. kind of starts there. And funny enough, on LinkedIn, there's been a big wave of people talking about Olgavi, Olgavi and Mather, the, the old yep. advertising agency. And, and they used to advocate, you know, the, the product <laughs> is the hero. But, you know, what I've learned in, in helping, you know, revenue teams and sellers go to market with a story that sizzles, the hero really should be, wait for it, dot, 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 the buyer, that target buyer. And uh, so, and, and you, uh, you would be amazed at how many people don't get that right. As you look mm-hmm. at websites, as you, you know, you, you ask yourself, who's this speaking to? Or, or as the seller shows up, who are they speaking to? Are they, are they talking about themselves? Are they using the words me and we a lot? Mm-hmm. Uh, or are they talking about you, you as buyer, you as customer, and, and the journey you're going through? So, uh, and, and then also, who's the buyer? Um, that, that can fundamentally shift the narrative structure completely, um, you know, based on, you know, because you want to resonate. That's the ultimate goal of the story. You want to resonate with that target buyer. Who are they? And are you resonating with them? And, and that very often people get fundamentally off. So that's kind of the first starting point, you know, identifying who who's the buyer. Then you start to build the narrative structure around that, Chris. And um, there's a few different components of the narrative structure. Chris, you and I played a little game, right? Uh, of what, what you're selling at the end of the day. Do you remember that? Or yeah. uh, in one of our pre-calls yeah. here, getting ready for this show. Um, you know, what are we selling at the end of the day? And very often I'll ask sellers that, what are we selling? Are we selling a product? Are we selling a solution or an outcome at the end of the day? And Chris, what's the typical trap? What are we selling? Do you remember? That- People are trying to sell whatever their product is <laughs> rather than. Yeah, they, they typically solution. lead with a solution. And that, that's, uh, that's what mm-hmm. I see day in and day out as I, as I work with revenue teams is uh, typically it, it starts and stops with the solution. And all the sellers are taught on that. Every, you know, every, everybody's fallen in love with their own solution. So that's what mm-hmm. they talk about. That's not right. the right narrative structure. You know, at the end of the day, you know, what I asked you is a trick question. You know, you're, you're selling all three, the, the problem, the solution, and the outcome. And Chris, the the next line of thought, you know, in what order do you, do you remember on that front, Chris? What we had discussed? I do not. I don't know that we. Uh, <laughs> I don't know we got there. So, so what order, Chris? What what's but, what's the right you know, order? If I had to take a guess, I mean, I would talk problem, solution, outcome. Would you generally? So, like, hey, let's yeah, let's define what the the problem is. Make sure that we're we're on the same page. We're aligned on mm-hmm. it. Let's talk about the potential. Well. No, actually, then I would throw in the outcome first, <laughs> yeah, because then yeah. we would say, hey, but if you could achieve this, you'd feel pretty good, right? And then if 
And they say, yes, well, here's the solution. To, Chris, to I'm so glad it. you caught yourself, man, because you, you got <laughs> it right, 100% right. But uh, your, your first response was probably the most normal response I hear mm-hmm. uh, from, from seasoned people. You know, Bruce, we're selling the problem first. Then, and then if they, they know they have a problem that they, and they got to get out of purgatory, then we move over to the solution, kind of the how. And, and then we right. end up with the, the benefit of, of using our solution. So that's the most right. normal response I get from senior people. Uh, for for superheroes like yourself, Chris, I get what you just said. You know, we, hey, we start with the problem, then we move on to the outcome. And then and only then, right. if I got an excited prospect, then we can start easing into the how, the solution. And very often I talk about right. the big solution, and that's kind of at a category level. You know, one, two, three, or mm-hmm. no more than four words. And then, and then if I sold them there, then I can get into some more of the detail about uh, specifically, here's our aspect of this solution of this category. Here's how we solve that problem. And, uh, and then here's how we promise this benefit. And then here's how we're different than other people you might be talking to in Mm -hmm. this particular category. So that's at that solution level. So again, we go from problem, then we move on to outcome and then solution. And that, that's for, right. for, for master superstars like, like yourself. That's awesome. Uh, the most junior people, uh, Chris, from my experience, they speak, um, they talk about the solution first. And then they find if the, if mm-hmm. the prospect isn't excited about the solution. And mo- most senior buyers are not, you know, but, uh, but if they happen right. to you know, be excited, great. But normally they're not. So then they move to stage number two. Hey, but, you know, what about the benefit of using our solution. Let's talk about the benefit. And then if that doesn't work, then the final thing they do is they throw a Hail Mary pass and, you know, and that's the problem. But what about the problem? You know, so th- that's more <laughs> the junior folks that that start, ha- you know, carrying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having those selling <laughs> conversations. But again, back to the point, the narrative structure that I teach about in the book is um, problem, outcome, solution, and then there's a final core element, uh, Chris, that, that I typically see missing. And that would be, and, and it's simple, it's next steps. So, mm-hmm. you know, and you probably teach this, but as you're planning yep. for any type of dialogue as a seller, what's the outcome you're looking for? You know, they're not, you know, especially if it's right. in high consideration B2B solution that I typically work on, it's not a signed mm-hmm. contract it's probably the next meeting. And what's that look like? What are we doing? You know, and and then after that, what's the the next step? And then after that, what's the next step? And Mm -hmm. what I want to do with my buyer is to set set us, set out on a journey with them. Hey, it looks like we, you know, Chris, we've had a great dialogue. We've got a a reason to continue our dialogue based on our Mm -hmm. conversation today. And based on my experience, here's what I'd like to recommend as next steps, A, B, C. And Chris, How's that sound to you? What else would you like to add into that? No, Bruce, that sounds perfect. Okay, well, let's get a scheduled, Chris, as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I'm working on the outcome, and yeah. I even premeditate that before I have a selling conversation. So those are the you know the the five key elements. Focus on the right target buyer, and most people get that wrong. And then after after you get that right, then go out and have those dialogues with the narrative, starting problem first, then move on to outcome, mm-hmm. then on to the solution, you know, the how land, if you would. And then finally, the fifth point, 
come forward with some concerted next steps. Don't just leave it to chance. Right. The, that next steps piece, I don't, I don't know how many people have completely, even like when I'm the, the buyer and they don't give me that next step. And now like I, I completely fall out of their sales cycle because we like, they didn't give me a next step. What, what am I expecting to come? I don't want to have to reach out to you. Uh, but even for, for leaders, this can be, you're adding clarity right into, into the how, system. How, Why would you not want oh, to do absolutely, that? Absolutely. Chris, how, how do you remove that, that friction from the buyer journey? Just how do you make it easy? And, and most organizations, right. and I don't blame the sellers, you know, a lot of junior sellers really go, Hey, Chris, we've had a great conversation together. You know, uh, you know, we, we talked about the problem mm-hmm. that you're facing that, that we've seen others face. We're talking about the outcome that we could help you achieve, which sounds pretty cool. We've talked about the solution. Chris, and then normally they'll go, Hey, Chris, what do you think are, what do you think are our next steps or the, uh, or sadly they might even use up all their time, but, but Chris, can, uh, can we go to another meeting? Uh, Bruce, shoot me a note. I'll get back to you. Or if there is enough time, you might say, Hey, right. Bruce, um, this does sound really information. Send me more information. Or even worse, you might say, Hey, Bruce, good conversation. I'd like to see a proposal. And, um, you know, so you're driving the buying process and journey, not me as the seller. Right. You don't know what it looks like. So, you you know, and you Mm -hmm. you hate pregnant pauses. So you're, you're saying, send me information or something like that. And we'll review it internally Mm -hmm. and get back to you. And what'll happen is we'll, we'll kind of lose touch with each other. We'll lose that connection. We won't have concerted next steps. We won't have things on our calendar and it would, we would have wasted each other's time. And, and the other thing, Chris, is, yeah. uh, and, and the reason I don't blame sellers for this is most organizations, revenue teams do not support the seller with concerted next steps. And, and right. I spend a lot of time, so you know, when I start tip. an engagement with one of my clients, I'll say, hey, what are the next steps? Ooh, doesn't sound like there's much there. Let's make some next steps. You know, what, what, what is it? Is it an assessment? Is it an, you know, an internal buying committee alignment meeting? Is it uh, a proof of concept of some nature? Uh, you know, is it a business case? What, what are the, the what is the series of next steps right. that's going to help your buyer buy? Yeah, that is a great tip for listeners right now to just go. Do you have outlined <laughs> next steps for your, your sales process? I mean, just with that, right, you're creating a stickier process. Yeah, it sounds so simple, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I borrow a phrase from an old friend, uh, simple to say, you know, mastered by few, you know, it, it, I just rarely see mm. that where it's tight, tight and concerted and just making that buyer's journey easy. Right. Um, I, I also want to just go back real quick, touch on something you had said, um, where people or companies are often referencing themselves a lot on their website using we, or I, you know, this is how we do it. And this is another super simple tip that someone could follow. Control F on your website and type we and see how many times it pops up on a page. And if you're, you're seeing it a ton, it probably means your narrative oh, is off, right? Like yeah. a quick, quick fly. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, probably one of the top 10 cents uh, using too much I and too much we. <laughs> it's, uh, and and it, it's rampant. And, and that mm-hmm. lets you know your orientation. Are you buyer-centric or self-centric? solution centric. Right. If you're buyer centric, I and we kind of go away. It, it's more about you, you language. Yep. And then there's some neural, 
neurolinguistic uh, research around that you is a very powerful word for keeping attention and people like right. you know like it when you talk about them less about you more about me mm-hmm. you know that that's lovely right when the the number of companies i've worked with who want their about page up in the in the navigation the top nav of their website as the very first link it's like it could be valuable someone's going to go look at for more information right but is that what you want to lead the buyer yeah. with more information about you or more about the yeah, problem yeah no too true it, yeah so, we're uh, right in the midst of redoing our website uh, for national speakers association northwest uh yeah. and and we're making it about that that new member and existing member but it uh it's all about them it's not right. all about us on the on the home page that's for darn sure yeah yeah makes sense um uh, second piece i want to go into is uh-huh. insights because Right now, we have so much data at our fingertips, right? Every company has, I mean, you can even get on ChatGPT and do whatever there and get a lot of answers. But I think what really differentiates and sets companies apart is how they're able to process that information and their lessons learned to provide insights. How do you go about working with companies to pull out these the insights that they should be including in these stories? But, and that, that's uh, probably the, the most fun part of my work is help working with teams to find those insights um, because you know, and um, oh we talked about stats, but insights are not only stats. And and I think you've probably heard the term ninety nine point five percent of stats are made up. You've uh, um, and, and seriously, there's so much uh, disinformation out there now. It, it's wild, or kind of uh, stats that were born, but then kind of. Came, you know, got their own identity and, mm-hmm. and then were reframed multiple times, <laughs> you know, but uh, the type of insight that, that I would love working on, and, and it relates to the second element of, of, of my model of the, the problem domain. I work with my teams, the revenue teams on characterizing what's the problem look like visually. And uh, I'll tell you, if I was to go out and pull 10 revenue teams and say, hey, show me your pitch deck and sh- take me to the slide that shows the customer problem, I would imagine I might get lucky if there was one problem slide out of those 10 pitch decks. Normally, they are centered around the solution. And that that's one of the the sad things, you know, um, and even some of the smaller companies I work with, I was working with the CEO during the pandemic and um, they kept on working on how do we frame our solution? I go, guys, 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 stop it. I want to see if uh, I want to see a, a depiction of the customer problem. Let's fall in love with that first. And and um, what what I've witnessed is when you do that and do that well, your customer can see the the problem that they're experiencing in, in a new way, a way that has more gravity. They didn't realize how costly it was, how messy it was. Or as one of my clients with a, a former client with Dell EMC used to say, um, or no, excuse me, Informatica, he would call it the, the big ugly. Can, can that prospect see the big ugly in a new way? And that's that's really powerful insight uh, if you can visualize that especially. And then you can toss some stats around that. Maybe they haven't seen that 72% stat and love it and gravitate towards that. 
but I, I think even mm-hmm. big, a, a huge insight is to visually portray the problem domain in a way that they they haven't seen it look like that before. Now you referenced a couple times uh, on testing your message and making sure the narrative is actually something worth putting out. How do you go about testing it? Yeah, um, and I've got a funny story as, you, as we talk about this, but uh, one of the best ways to test it is with a lookalike customer. So very often uh, I'll work with, a, or with Hewlett Packard, we'd go out and uh, identify target buyers and, and, and go ahead and recruit them into a dialogue and share with them our perspective and get their feedback. Um, that's HP, big budget. You know, we can go out and do that type of work because it's hard getting a CIO on the phone, for example, uh, of a big company. And, and that's what, who we we're trying to sell to. So I'm trying to research and test against that target buyer. For smaller companies, I was working with a, um, a, a an early stage company here in the Northwest Seattle area where I'm based, Chris, and uh, we did a focus group and brought some of the target audience, owners of small IT services firms, in, into a, a you know a focus group room where I was the moderator. And um, that's where we can test that narrative structure. And I'm always asking, you know, just great questions as well. I'll, t- I'll test the structure, but I'll say, hey, does this visual I'm portraying of, of the problem space, does that mimic yours? Or how would you make this visual even uglier? And, and very often they'll, they'll kind of vote in and, and talk about that, uh, how, how, how to make it e- even more problem centric for them. And then I'll test test the outcome. I'll mm-hmm. test the solution, how we're characterizing that. Is it simple? Is it clear? Um, test the next steps with them. So I, I love to do a lot of testing, and that's kind of a in a, in a one-to-one one basis, virtually through through Zoom or or even physically, just to, dependent on the context. Uh, one recent client, uh, mm-hmm. I, I tested our the new narrative with all their board of directors, which mimicked. The, their ideal customer profile, and that was uh, chief uh, compliance officers of large banks. Um, but you know, they, you know, they did have their board made up of their target customer, so it really made good sense to test with them. So that's kind of round one of validation testing, and then we, you know, we refine, and then we lock and load, and and we, uh, you know, train the sellers and go out and have those selling conversations with the narrative. And then uh, our eBay Enterprise, I was working with them. A couple months later, we reconvened with that revenue team and said, hey, what's working? What's not working so well? And I actually got to listen to a few people use the narrative. And I'm like, just going Homer Simpson moment. Don't, you know, you know, that's not what we meant. Oh, my God, we got to change that. You know, so we kind of tightened the screws a little bit and and found out something's fundamentally not working. Mm -hmm. So even changing visuals and language. And, and then, and then, you know, then they're back out and using it some more. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of two levels, you know, it kind of in market, you know, real, real revenue team people using it. And then also pre-release to those guys testing it with the analyst community and those target buyers. Are you, I'm making an assumption that you are, but. Are you recording sales conversations? Oh yeah, well sure, yeah. And I, I recently worked with one of the the, the folks that d- probably do that the best in the market right now, Gong.io. But yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, recording, reviewing some of those dialogues and seeing the pitfalls. How often are they using the putting uh, smart tags in there mm-hmm. to see if they're using the, the new narrative and the messaging associated with right. it? Right. 
I was shocked and just beyond belief at how many companies are not recording sales conversations. And so when you go back and you ask them, hey, what's working in your in your narrative? They can't answer it. They can say, oh, well, they feel like this is happening. It's like, but can you show us the data that says, you know, this is how absolutely, absolutely. And it was pretty exciting. I can't take credit for this, but there were some new uh, messaging and it was um, they were seeing a, a 30 percent bump in sales effectiveness on those deal cycles when those reps were using the new messaging. And it was all data driven, which is pretty darn wild. And now now it's e- way easier to see how things are going in the field uh, at this point. Right. Uh, so. How this is great for setting up Mm -hmm. the narrative, right? Making sure you have it. How do you kind of inspire the leadership team to prioritize this and actually know that this is what they need to be working on if they want to be able to go to market and actually be successful? Yeah, that's that uh, boy, that's one of the probably one of the biggest issues. Funny enough, you know, uh, lately, Chris, I've been talking about your narrative, it needs to be clear, it needs to be compelling. And it needs to be catalyzing for your customer, where your your customer's willing to change. And that's what inspire mm-hmm. means. Why I call my company Inspire Your Buyers to inspire to get someone to change. So does does your narrative get right. that target buyer willing to change? And they have to get through all the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, all that risk in order to change. So it's a hard job. Now, uh, when you you know craft a new narrative and introduce that to the organization a lot of time to, it, it will fail. And in the, in the front end of my book, I do talk about that. You know, I, what I could do is kind of give you the three failures I see uh, time and time again. Yeah. Um, and and at, at some of the biggest organizations that'll, uh, that would blow you away. But there's a, an executive belief that, hey, I, I hire good people. They should just be good in front of customers. <laughs> you know, they'll figure it out. Yeah, that's why I'm paying them the big bucks. And, and if they don't work out, they won't be here anymore, you know, but they'll, they'll go figure it out. So it's kind of, you know, no man's land, everybody on their own. So that's, that's one, one failure point. The next one is, hey, we need a new story. We need a, a new narrative. Let's get, you know, somebody in the marketing department to go figure that out for us. And uh, typically that person's a little junior. And they work really hard and try to do all the right steps, et cetera. And then when they're done, you know, they come forward with it on a silver platter and, and they don't have any buyers. They, you know, they, they don't have the power to, to uh, nor did they truly perhaps do the validation piece right and build the confidence right. required for that to be adopted. So, you know, that, that saddens me to no end where, and I, I've fallen in that trap before as well, you know, and, and working with an organization and that you don't have that adoption um, just because the, the, the leadership doesn't get fully behind it. And uh, so in the third one, I see this often is, Hey, we need a new narrative. Let's go hire a, a, a good agency to do that for us. And uh, what happens there, Chris uh, is, it's kind of like outsourcing your story. So, you know, agencies, especially brand agencies, they typically don't give you back a story. They'll give you back a messaging map What in the marketing world. You know, some key messages. They, they might come back with a cute catchphrase. 
but it, it's not a story. It's yeah. not a narrative. And, and that doesn't get adopted. Right. It might hit the website a little bit, but it doesn't, you know, really impact. It doesn't get in, in the minds of the people using it who sign contracts. So, and, and things break down there. Mm-hmm. So um, those are kind of the right. three pitfalls that I see most often. Uh, the, the best way to get to do this, though, is to have that senior executive buy-in sponsorship, making sure that, hey, this is critical for us and, and we, we really need to get on board. It's, it's my top priority. And, and I've had the just good fortune to work with excellent clients that had that mindset. You know, one, one I remember a guy named Tom. Right. Now he's a senior executive at Dell, at Dell Technologies. But he um, just said, "Hey, we need a new message," and, and it was just all the way at him, and and got behind it with us. And, and I've had that repeated over and over again. Yeah. Uh, where if I do have that senior executive involvement and buy-in, they don't have to invent it, but they have to get behind it. Oh, and Chris, this reminds me of a really good story. Uh, sorry to go long-winded with you on it, but um, no, let's do you it. had to ask the question, bringing up old war, war <laughs> stories. But um, this one's really fun. Um, there's a, a multi-billion dollar company called Unisys, and we had bu- built a narrative for them, and it was for one of their units. And we tested mm-hmm. that extensively, and, and it was a total winner. And then uh, the VP of marketing I was working with at the time got a a one-to-one meeting with the CEO to introduce it. And he thought, hey, this is my all-star moment. You know, I'm I'm getting ready for my promotion and and the yacht is on order. And the uh, the CEO said, I don't like it. I I, I really don't like this. And uh, which which does happen. And uh, because we all have opinions. And so. my my client, the VP of marketing, called me back and goes, Bruce, really bad news. I brought this in front of the CEO and he doesn't like it. We need to find something else. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, hey, man, we, we need to go revisit your CEO. Did you tell him that the analyst community that we've been trying to impress love it? Did you tell him that his customers, they're digging it too? Did you tell him that a sales organization's all excited about it? No, no, no. And I'm like going, oh, that's good news then. We need to go back and tell him and make sure he falls in love with it. And also let him know we didn't build it for him. He's not the buyer. <laughs> we, we built his the whole story around his buyers. And it's funny. We, we did that swing back with the CEO. Not only did he appreciate it after that, you know, um, after he saw it play out in market, he promoted it to be their top level na- narrative for the organization. They ran with that for about mm-hmm. eight years, um, yeah, which is way wow. longer than a nor- narrative normally mm-hmm. should last. You know, normally it's a couple of years and then there's an acquisition or a big change. And, you know, so, you know there, right. there's a change in the market. And- you know, the narrative needs to shift. But that, that's one of the ones that I built that literally lasted a long time. Well, and that's the the value of just internal marketing and getting buy-in from critical, yeah, yeah, know, not just the sales team, but going up, yeah, or just like the logo that I'm showing here for for the listening audience. You can't see it, but my my identity's kind of centered around you know an arrowhead, 
And then there's a lot of wood behind it. So a, a great narrative, it, it is like that arrowhead. It's like the tip of the spear. It's the sharpest edge, I love to say. And you need to line all the wood up behind it. And when everybody's on board and delivering it in a really you know, uh, good way, um, man, you can just really... Um, accelerate revenue growth, mm-hmm. um, r- really, you know, uh, achieve, achieve way more. That's the outcome that's typically right. promised. Well, cheers to that. <laughs> so I am going to strongly encourage all of our listeners to go grab a copy of inspire your buyers, go to market with a story that sizzles. It is a fascinating read that is almost guaranteed just to get your narrative on the right track. Um, uh, and so, I, I mean, there's no reason not to grab it. It's a, it's a blast, Chris. Yeah, thanks for making that recommendation. I've been uh, mm-hmm. just enjoying the reviews that are coming in and, and people reaching out to me on LinkedIn. And uh, one of my goals originally, I work with large organizations and some scale-ups in early stage, but I often get requests from people that, hey, you know, can can you help? And uh, this book is Fabulous, because it, it uh, you know there's smart questions around that framework that people can use uh, to to really craft their narrative. So, and that that was my goal. Could I make something that self serve? And and this is playing out that way. So, thanks for making right. the recommendation. Right. Yeah, no, it's and it's a heartfelt recommendation because it is definitely worth a read. Appreciate um, it. What uh, what book would you recommend separate from from your own <laughs> that uh, that everybody give a read to? Chris, uh, your audience, um, uh, you know, for, for the, the folks that are entrepreneurial out there or just thinking about, you know, their careers, um, there's a book that I loved uh, called Built to Scale, or mm-hmm. um, excuse me, Built to Sell. And um, that, that, um, that book, I'm just going to look up the title of it real fast. Yeah. Built to Sell, Creating a Business That Can Thrive Without You. And uh, th- that one was really impactful for for me and my business and other businesses that I consult for. What's the end game? What what do you envision? And 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 mm-hmm. once once you have that, definitely you know that that's a good play with my book. You got to get your story straight around that, um, and and start telling yeah. that story of what you're trying to build. But built built to sell, L- lovely lovely book. Thanks for the question. Yeah, what uh, what's next for you professionally now? your best-selling oh. author what's uh what's next <laughs> yeah um what i'll be doing more so uh it, you know the consulting work that i do chris it's that you know you know and i do see that as a, a big thing you got to get the story straight as you go to market you also and secondly you got to have the right selling conversations and so you know and the selling conversations that typically utilize that narrative is kind of the the thematic structures for having a great selling conversation so you're not wasting your buyer's time or your time you're just having better selling conversation the third thing that i'll be focused on for my business um especially in this down kind of economy that fall you know, in certain sectors that people are experiencing uh, and also in the space that i play in kind of high consideration sales not transactional, but more high consideration. Mm-hmm. Hey, if I buy this, it's you know I, I'm on the hook for quite a while, and I'm making a big investment. Those types of right. deals, you need to have a solid business case most often. And um, so mm-hmm. I'll be uh, promoting that more in my business. How how as a seller, how can you work with your buyer to shape that business case? 
you know, the, the economic and financial underpinning. So they're able to say yes and buy. And typically mm-hmm. now, especially now, there's a CFO hiding behind the curtain that needs to make the decision. So you do need to come forward with yeah. a business case. And, and, and we're building our capability and capacity, probably more so on the capacity to help sellers have that conversation and, and quantify the value. That's great. Uh, Bruce, thank you for joining me. We can, uh, why don't we close with uh, just where people can find you? Oh, thanks, Chris. Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, be sheer on LinkedIn, or uh, uh, head over to the website, inspireyourbuyers.com. And those are the two places I love to hang out. Yeah. Especially awesome. on LinkedIn. We'll get those linked up in the show notes. So, but all right. Thank you for joining me again. This has been awesome. Chris, thanks for the uh, wonderful conversation. I love your show, Unbound. <laughs> great podcast for everybody listening. I'm sure you love it too, but uh, you're doing a re- really great job. It was a pleasure being on your show. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.